week that ransomware and hacking probably really went global for the first time. Um, the recent ransomware attack that uh, famously now, or infamously, uh, penetrated the NHS. Uh, due to that, it's really entered the public's consciousness. And people and organisations all around the world are obviously desperate to hear what this means for them and their organisations. And today I'll be speaking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray just about that. So, Darren, what does it mean? Well, it is a, it is a game changer, Chris. It's um, very much brought it to the public's awareness of what ransomware is and what it can do and how dangerous it can be and actually how cyber security can impact uh, the everyday lives of individuals. Now, this is by no means uh, the way that we, um, you know, anyone uh, would have wanted this to uh, to come to the public's opinion. With um, you know, hospitals being impacted in other countries, banking systems being um, impacted. Um, you know, whilst uh, here in the UK, it's very much reported that it was a problem with the NHS. Yeah. Actually, it was far wider than that, and there were many, many different uh, companies and countries. Uh, were impacted by this, including organisations like um, FedEx, and um, and I think the country that was most affected uh, by it um, uh, nationally was uh, Russia. Actually. Russia, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, any th- any any new developments and where do you think it emanated from? I gather, I mean, you know, allegedly um, in North Korea is, is, is inevitably mentioned as the perpetrator, but. Have they uh, established any further connection? No, not that I've seen. I mean, I think that would only be speculation on our part. I mean, I know there was some speculation that it was uh, potentially uh, contained um, uh, code uh, that was developed by the um, National Security Agency in the US, um, uh, but the other code, um, the actual ransomware itself, was um, you know, bolted onto that. So I think I think what, what people are probably interested in finding out, whether you're a layman or even someone who's who's been interested in this for some time, is how how do they do this kind of stuff? I mean, is it is it is it a really easy thing to do, or is it much more complex than you might think? Well, it really um, divides down into a couple of different stages. Um, um, first of all, well, three stages. And the first stage is really um, in, infecting the machine um, in the first instance. That's typically done by phishing, um, and that's phishing with a pH um, at the beginning. Um, um, so that means enticing someone to click on a link um, that says that it's going to take them to Facebook or um, you know, is a, a file or a spreadsheet or something that, that they think they're expecting, and they click on that link and actually it runs a, a program uh, that in the background sure. um, uh, infects their machine with this um, ransomware. Now, the ransomware will then move into um, a second stage. Um, that um, has two parts to it. Um, the first part is that it's beginning to encrypt all the files on the, uh, on the recipient's um, hard disk sure. and on any other network devices um, that it can reach, so any um, you know shared drives on your S drive or your M drive or whatever um, you know your particular organisation, if you're still using shared network drives, uses. And then the the uh, other part of uh, the uh, of the ransomware will actually be um, um, as spreading itself to other um, other applications. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. other machines. And that piece is, um, you know, needs to take advantage of flaws in operating system software. So, what lessons do we learn from, from in this particular instance? This is the uh, WannaCrypt, uh, W-A-N-N-A Crypt incident. So, uh, what lessons can we draw from this one? Well, I think it's preparedness. 
Chris. I mean, the, um, a lot of people have uh, buried their head in the sand uh, around um, you know taking some basic steps that can protect themselves. Um, uh, the first one is having a good patch. Uh, patching uh, policy and practice. Now, software patching is really just downloading those you know, annoying updates that uh, Microsoft or whichever software vendor, um, you know, whichever operating system you use, um, you, know, uh, they, you, know, you get a pop-up every now and then says, you need to download this to update your system for security purposes. Yeah. Um, in enterprises, uh, large organizations, um, that's a quite an onerous task. Um, very often organizations will want to test software to make sure it works on the very latest uh, release and things like that. So it's become quite onerous. Many organizations have got quite behind. Um, well, so apparently the NHS, is this, is this, I don't know if this is true, but I read that a lot of the hospitals were still on Windows XP. Uh, yeah, that's, um, um, I understand that's the case. And um, but even if they hadn't been on Windows XP, if they'd been running even Windows 7 or Windows um, 8.1, um, being more recent versions yes. of, uh, of Windows, um, the, um, the bug, the exploit, still existed um, up until a month ago. So if, if machines hadn't been patched, um, then even those Windows machines were, okay. were vulnerable. But Windows XP is obviously vulnerable because it comes from a time when um, hacking and ransomware and um, the internet connectivity that we take for granted today was not nearly as prominent um, as it is. So making sure you've got a good patch policy, making sure your machines are up to date, and that you've got policies to ensure that those, um, those rules are adhered to is very much the first lesson that we should learn. So in terms of the, uh, the ransomware that j just hit, I mean, so if, you've, if you do happen to have been on the, the, the wrong end of that, is that it? Is that, does that mean that's, that's it for your data or, or can, it, can it be restored or rescued? No, absolutely not. In fact, that's one of the, uh, one of the key um, learnings is that you must have a robust and resilient file uh, backup. If your held files are held to ransom, then if you've got another copy of those files, then obviously the ransom is worthless. You know, yeah. is worthless. Yeah. Uh, you can restore those files. You obviously have to ensure that your uh, the, the the machine is um, uh, the infection, the ransomware infection, uh, the virus, if you like, is uh, is cleaned off. Uh, um, but having done that, uh, you can restore your files, and that's a um, you know it can be an onerous task still, but it's um, you know not impossible to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we've obviously had uh, a fair number of conversations relating to subjects like this. I'm assuming that, you know, an, an approach, to, uh, an effective approach to governance is going to play a, a key part in here. So, as ever, it's not just about, you know, software. Um, it's about people, isn't it? So, what would you advise, you know, if you, if you were someone who was a CIO or had responsibility for your organisation's data, how yeah. would you advise them to help their people? Well, having having had those roles, and you know, now being in the privileged position of advising others who are in those roles on what to do, uh, the key aspect is having good policies and procedures, making sure that um, you know patching is um, uh, you know just business as usual. Um, make sure that you're only using supported software, so you're not using Windows XP. Um, you know, you're not using that uh, version of the software that's. Uh, 10 years old, because it may have security flaws in there that um, the software designers at the time had no opportunity to actually test um, you know, test or find uh, because of the nature or how the world has moved on. 
I've seen reports that revising to use virtual PC or to, to sandbox unsupported software will sound very technical and complex. What does that mean? Sandboxing, Chris? Oh, sandboxing. Oh, 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 oh. I was playing in mine the other day. Yeah, but I'm sure you were. <laughs> so um, uh, a virtual PC is a way of uh, running another virtual computer, if you like, um, on your existing computer. So you can actually uh, put a wall around, uh, you know, a software wall around um, some of the uh, applications that are running. Now, what that allows you to do is to um, only run those applications at uh, certain points in time when you when you actually need to run them, not to be running them all the time. Um, and it really just tries to keep things um, separately and allows you to um, be more cautious and to build uh, additional protection around them. Uh, the ideal, though, is that you wouldn't run unsupported software, but where you've got zero option, where there's a business-critical part of the organisation that's running on this uh, this old software um, and needs to continue doing so, um, then you can put it in a virtual PC and uh, build some extra protection around it uh, to ensure that it's not as vulnerable as it would otherwise be. But the chances are you're never going to protect it um, completely if it needs to be networked, if it needs to be a networked okay. application. I mean, that, as you know, I mean, I, I'm a you know, layman when it comes to this, this kind of stuff, but even I know enough to, to have anti-malware protection on my, my my yep. PC or laptop, whatever, and I imagine at, at this level now for businesses, everyone, everyone they, does that a, a standard. But what a you know, what what other uh, things can you do? I mean, can, can you have a sort of an incident management sort of program to help cope with this kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, software incident event management or SIEM software um, is something that can monitor the um, network traffic. Um, monitor the logs, um, the logs um, from your servers and from your uh, routers and from your uh, internet breakout um, and things like that uh, to try and spot uh, anomalous behaviour. So if all of a sudden a machine that never accesses or tries to access a particular network drive, for example, uh, starts trying to access that network drive and then another network drive and then another network drive, all of which it doesn't have access to, the SIM software can actually recognise that as unusual behaviour and alert uh, network administrators to unusual behaviour. Now, it may just be that a new piece of software has been installed and it's perfectly, um, you know, it's a false positive, if you like. But in cases um, such as uh, WannaCrypt, that kind of software would have um, started to alert, um, you know, certainly NHS staff uh, to uh, the possibility of, um, uh, you know, of, a, uh, of an infection, whether that be a virus or as it turned out to be ransomware. Yeah, yeah, and of course, as part of that, you need to have a you know, resilient uh, file backup as well. Right? Uh, exactly what we said about earlier on, Chris. I mean, yeah, I mean, make sure that you've got good backups um, every day, presumably, for, for uh, business. Or? Uh, certainly, at least every day. Uh, I mean, you know, within fifth step, our um, you know, our files are backed up in real time, and they have multiple. Um, uh, and they have version history too. So what you don't want um, in your backups is, for your file backups, for example, is you don't want them um, uh, only having one version of the backup. Uh, you want to be able to have the latest copy and then you need to be able to go back at least a couple of versions so that if malware strikes and that file becomes encrypted and you cannot undo it and decrypt it, um, you don't want that to be the only version you've got okay. because otherwise your backup is then encrypted as well and that, uh, that means that you're, uh, um, that you're in a uh, you know, particularly bad location. The other rule to follow is um, you want uh, your backup stored in a different geographic location, 
you want them stored on different media, okay? Right. So you don't want it on the same hard disk. Um, and ideally, um, you don't even want it on the same type of media. So it'd be great if you can back up to the cloud. Um, that fulfills um, the requirement of it being uh, both in a different um, location and uh, a different medium uh, altogether. And you want them to be frequent. Um, so real-time backups are fantastic if um, yeah. you know if your organisation can do that or if that's appropriate. But at the very least, overnight backups are going to be uh, um, you know going to be uh, um, something that you're going to. Uh, wants to investigate just out of interest I mean um, have you spoken to anyone over the last week or do you know anyone in terms of like a security or a team professionals who've been impacted by this or heard any stories from people about people that have that might be of interest to people listening to this podcast yeah I, I know uh, people who were um, who um, uh, who were dealing with um, instances um uh, and, and really just trying to eradicate it from um, uh, from networks. Um, I also know a lot more people who are actually suddenly went on um, a patching frenzy, making sure all their servers and all of their laptops and all of their desktops are all up to date. Right. Because all of a sudden people realised, oh, that basic hygiene, um, you know, we've been letting that slip the last little while, and we must get that back up to date. Right. So, I mean, it's obviously a very stressful time for anyone who's going through this now, but... You know, if you could advise them, what what, what may possibly least? I think there's two things really. What should they? What could they have done to prevent this, and what could they have done to make it better now that the incidents occurred? Okay, so now the incidents occurred, um, it's time to look back and say, right, well, what what? You're quite right. Ask the question: What could have done be done differently? Having a good, strong incident response plan for those who didn't right. have an incident response plan and didn't follow that incident response plan. Um, uh, make sure that you've got that in place. Make sure that you're um, testing uh, your uh, incident response plan. Make sure you're testing your backups. Making sure that you're doing a, um, you know, um, a disaster recovery uh, and a business continuity. Um, you know, use this as a business continuity event if you have had an incident within your organisation. <clears throat> um, make sure that that's all running smoothly. Now, I'm a firm believer in um, continual improvement and um, identifying. Uh, areas where you can improve. So once you've gone through the loop once, um, you know what can you improve? How can you make it slicker? How can you make it easier? Um, I'm also a firm believer in you know test, test, and test again. And I think that the greatest example of this, or one of the greatest examples of this, um, is if you look at um, the number of deaths that have occurred or, or occur now um, in New York City due to fire. Um, now this may seem like I'm going a little bit off topic, but the number of deaths. Uh, that occur uh, that uh, occur due to fire in New York City have dropped dramatically in the last hundred years. Um, now it's, uh, it was 1916 when the first records right. um, um, for fire-related deaths were recorded um, in New York City, and at that point in time, uh, there were almost three times as many uh, deaths as there were in, in uh, 2016. So around about 150 deaths mm. in 1916. Now that's with a population that was um, only 5 million in comparison to the 8 million it is today. So you've got just over half as many people and three times as many um, many deaths. Yeah. Now, if you look at what um, how that's been resolved and why um, that improvement has been made, it's because there's a very strong ethos within... Um, the New York City Fire Department of identifying how things can be made better, um, you know, uh, 
fire suppression is improved, building codes have improved. All of these things have had a feedback loop driven by the firemen and, and driven by other people as well. But that's made people um, safer. Yeah. Now, if the same trend, if the same number of people had died, or if no improvements had been made, the number of people who would have died in 2016 uh, would have been 248 um, in 2016, rather than the just 48. So 200 people more would have died. Now, to me, that's a really good example of how um, you know evacuation tests, fire alarm tests, and a continual improvement process can really improve things and that's a data you know data led example to show how those improvements have been made and the difference they've made over a hundred year period in this instance. Sure, sure. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a brilliant analogy obviously for business continuity improvement, the continuous business improvement program. Uh, well I think that's pretty much covered all, you know, all that we need to today unless you know there's anything else you wanted to say to advise our our, uh, our listeners. But no absolutely not Chris, it's a nice um, um, short and punchy one today to get some information out. Um, hopefully all of those people who are working on resolving any residual issues around the WannaCry or WannaCrypt um, um, malware and uh, ransomware um, you know um, good work guys I'm sure it's been a hard slog um, and for those of you who weren't impacted you know please do make sure that you're following some basic hygiene some of the things that we've outlined here um, if you've enjoyed this podcast please feel free to um, send us a, um, uh, an email or a Twitter message um, uh, to at fifth step on uh, at Twitter and uh, podcast at fifthstep.com uh, for uh, on email, please do visit us at www.fiststep.com. Now you're interrupting me again. <laughs> Come and visit us at fiststep.com, um, and uh, uh, and please do leave um, a message for us on um, iTunes and leave a rating for us on iTunes. Really, is the place um, that people. Um, come to find new podcasts and your uh, vote and your comments um, help them identify podcasts that they uh, they think or people can even come to your very plush new offices indeed yeah come uh, come come visit us down um, uh, Queen Street on uh, uh, in London in the city of London meet Darren Ray face to face yeah there's a scary thought for people (laughs) anyway thanks Darren that was a short short but sweet but I think it was very helpful thanks very much Chris